Best of the Left is made possible entirely by you, the listeners. To donate or sign up for a membership, please visit bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Colbert Report, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, The Tom Hartman Program, The Rachel Maddow Show, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, Media Matters, The Daily Show, The Progressive, and It's All Politics with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from The Young Turks. I have always said that babies are a miracle unless they belong to homosexuals, in which case they're pets. I say, I say, if a lesbian wants a child so bad, she should have to steal the seed of a drug mailman and inseminate herself with a turkey baster. Like God intended. And recently, a major scientific study confirmed my fears. Jim... A 25-year-long study indicates kids raised by lesbian parents have fewer behavioral problems and rate higher in social and academic competence than their peers. Yes, lesbians raise well-adjusted teens who don't misbehave, and that proves it's unnatural. (laughs) Teenagers are supposed to be cryptic, angsty, mumble-mouthed, narcissistic, alienated, mood-swinging, reclusive, cynical hormone junkies who go through vampire phases and are mortified to be seen with their parents even when you take them someplace awesome like the Grammys. (laughs) So lesbian parents, lesen up. Stop raising good examples for our children. Because history was shaped by troubled teenagers. Alexander the Great, Joan of Arc, King Tut. These teens excelled because they were properly screwed up freaks. If they'd been raised by lesbians, they'd have been Alexander the Relatable, Joan of Accounting, and Regional Manager Tut. Hesitation, cause we have expectations for your elevation. Eminence must be imminent. There's no time to be innocent. It's time to rise, it's time to try to set the sky within your sights. Don't pretend you've got nothing to prove. Well, you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. Educated, right? Girlfriend treats him alright. Goes out on Saturday night but doesn't like to drink or fight He sees old friends and they all tend to reminisce on things they miss The dreams and schemes when in their teens, virginities and football teams Let's hear from uh, Tamara Scott uh, very quickly since Cenk was talking about uh, gay marriage And uh, Tamara Scott not impressed with the uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Britney Spears, Larry King, Elizabeth Taylor celebrity marriage amendment Uh, Tamara Scott of the Concerned Women for America Um... Uh, She's the Iowa director of Concerned Women for America, uh, and she shows up on television, uh, I think, from time to time. And uh, uh, she uh, says that uh, gay marriage, she compares gay marriage here in uh, clip three to some of the most dangerous things that we have out there, including Mm. uh, uh, bad peanut butter. Uh, Here's here's Tamara Scott. This is not about hate. Let me ask you this. Recently, there was a series of cars that were recalled by a manufacturer because gas pedals would supposedly take off and people were injured. Would it be hateful to tell someone that they might have a car that was recalled even though they might be embarrassed? Because their car is cool. They were hip. They were doing the end thing. Or is it more loving to tell a man, I hate to tell you bad news, but you might want to have that checked. You're in danger. Seems more loving to me. We recall peanut butter because it's dangerous. If you were sitting across the table from someone and you knew that they were eating contaminated food that would do them bodily harm, would it be more lovely to keep your mouth shut or to speak up? You know the truth and so do I. What we're talking about today is not hateful. Stopping someone from hurting themselves and from hurting society is not hateful. Okay, I thought she was on TV. I'm sorry. She was obviously speaking there, uh, probably uh, uh, in Iowa. Um, Great, great stuff there. If you're... uh, uh, Being gay is like driving a Toyota. It's like eating (laughs) contaminated peanut butter. Yeah. Um, I mean, all she's trying to do is help these gay individuals and um, be a good friend and save them from doing something that's going to cause bodily harm. Yeah, if you think... uh, I like how she's like, uh, you you wouldn't... They don't want to give up their car that the gas pedal sticks. 
and could drive off a cliff with their kids. Right. They don't want to give it up because it's the in thing. Right. Because it's hip and cool. Right. So one, she's saying that people won't give up their Prius because it's hip and cool, even if it's driving into a brick wall,、mm -hmm. which is nonsense. Right. And secondly, of course, she's inferring that people are gay right now because it's hip and cool. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. You know, there's a time in every gay person's life where they wake up and they say, "You know what? I'm going to change my sexuality because it's the hip and cool thing to do." Not even gay person's life. Apparently, she thinks any person's life. Like you could buy. You know, I'm going to go out today. I was going to get a trucker hat, but instead, you know what? I'm going to have sex with a dude. Yeah. Because you know why? It'd be cool. <laughs> it's the hip、yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to buy an Ed Hardy T-shirt. No. No. Instead, I'm going to give my friend Larry a blowjob. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to get that T-shirt, but screw it.、Uh, let's hear one more Tamara Scott clip、uh, because not only is being gay hip,、uh, it's very expensive.、Uh, it's like more.、Uh, it's a bigger weight,、uh, really, on the uh, uh, on the American taxpayer. Uh, uh, than、uh, pretty much than everything except the military. I mean, Lord Tamara has figured out the costs of gay marriage, and、uh, Tamara Scott uh, speaking uh, to a bunch of very tepidly applauding supporters, <laughs> who were even I think made uncomfortable by her,、uh, has figured out、uh, what gay marriage、uh, cost us, and、uh, and she's、uh, she's eager to tell you. It costs you, the taxpayer, as high as $280 billion a year for fragmented families. That's according to Family Research Council, May 14, 2009. That's three trillion a decade. Now there's another group whose leader is a Democrat out of New York.、Um, I think it's the Center for American Values, and they say it's as high as $112 billion a year, a trillion dollars a decade. Anybody heard financial problems in Washington lately? If we would correct the breakdown of the family by one percent, we could save the taxpayers three billion a year. Okay. I don't even know what she's talking about. I I don't know what she's talking about either. I think she's trying to make the case that uh, uh, homosexuals have broken families, and that's costing the government a ton of money. What about how much money、uh, broken straight couples、uh, cost the government? Like, why don't you take that into consideration? She's crazy. There's no logic behind her argument.、And、no, no. The Family Research Council has—they've、uh, crunched the numbers. Oh yeah, the Family Research Council, very credible. No, I'm not sure you understand. The Family Research Council, Anna, they sent out、uh, a couple of staff members, and they went to Radio Shack, and they bought a calculator, <laughs> and then they went back to the Family Research Council. They stopped at Starbucks and they picked up some coffee, and they went back to the Family Research Council, and they were. They crunch some numbers,、mm -hmm. and it costs us three trillion dollars. Kentucky Legislature bans gay pet weddings. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Kentucky lawmakers dealt a harsh blow to same-sex pet advocates today as they unanimously voted to outlaw gay pet weddings. Republican State Senator John Westwood vowed to protect the tradition of pet marriage in the bluegrass state. Pet marriage is a sacred bond between a male dog and a female dog, and that's just the way it is. That's the way it's always been. Disappointed activists advise owners of gay pets still determined to be married to travel to Vermont, where all manner of depraved coupling somehow remains legal. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. Times I ask you, and then I ask you over again. You only answer, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. 
Well, yesterday, Judge Vaughn Walker, the chief judge of the U.S. District Court in San Francisco, ruled that California's Proposition 8, which said that it was illegal for gays to get married in that state, was unconstitutional. He said that he based his ruling, although the right wing is all over him for being gay himself, he said that he based his ruling on the preponderance of the scientific evidence that was presented to him in court, which indicated that the children of families of gay couples grew up every bit as normal and, in fact, in, in some studies, more, more normal and healthy, psychologically healthy, as the children of straight families, and that gay couples and their relationships are every bit as psychologically and socially and economically significant and legitimate as are straight couples. He said uh, the evidence conclusively shows the moral, that moral and religious views form the only basis for a belief that same-sex couples are different from opposite-sex couples. Very, very interesting. I, you know, gay people in this country have a long history of discrimination, of hatred, of murder. I mean, Matthew Shepard, you know, tortured, dragged, dragged, you know, at the end of a truck, tied to a fence post, left to die in the desert sun, uh, for example. I think that that we should have reparations for gays. I think that the Mormon Church, which had, you know contributed a large chunk, maybe as much as half of the money, or members of the Mormon Church, as much as half of the money from out of state to fund Prop 8, for the next 10 years should have to pay for every gay wedding in the state of California. So in January, we're getting married. You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. In the past decade, 31 states have put to a vote the question of whether or not gay people should be allowed to get married. 31 states have put those minority rights up to a vote. And in all 31 of those states, that minority rights issue has gone down to defeat. In general, when you ask for a majority rules vote on minority rights, you get results like what we've seen on the gay marriage issue. 31 out of 31 times in 31 out of 31 states, voters voted it down. But here's the thing about rights. They're not actually supposed to be voted on. That's why they're called rights. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. No state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Even if lots of people in that state want to. It's not up for a vote. Rights are part of the deal if you're an American. That's why the Equal Protection Clause is in the Constitution. In this case, specifically, it's in part of the newly controversial 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Rights are not supposed to be put up for a vote. They're not a popularity contest. They're supposed to be subject to a test of their constitutionality. That's why we have courts, not just to put people on trial, but to try the things the people say they want to be their laws. You try those things against the Constitution, and the Constitution restricts the things that Americans can make laws about so those laws don't infringe on our constitutionally protected rights. That's sort of the big idea in this country. That's sort of the big idea that is this country. America, come for the religious liberty. Stay for the rock-ribbed constitutional guarantees of all your other rights. Today, for the first time in our nation's history, a federal court put the issue of a state ban on gay marriage to the constitutional test. The results were blistering. A federal judge in California ruled unequivocally today, and in the strongest possible terms, that California's recently passed gay marriage ban, Prop 8, 
is unconstitutional. The ruling's long, but it is a page-turner. Federal Judge Vaughn Walker summed up his ruling this way, quote, moral disapproval alone is an improper basis on which to deny rights to gay men and lesbians. The evidence shows Proposition 8 does nothing more than enshrine in the California Constitution the notion that opposite-sex couples are superior to same-sex couples. The court concludes that Proposition 8 is unconstitutional. And with that, California's gay marriage ban went kaput. A huge victory, of course, for gay rights supporters in that state and possibly around the country. But Judge Walker, um, who's a George H.W. Bush appointee, Judge Walker not only struck down California's gay marriage ban as unconstitutional, he also probably set the stage for what will be the next big court fight and the next big political fight. The anti-gay marriage side that was defeated in this case has already filed paperwork expressing their intention to appeal the decision. You should expect to hear lots of excerpts from Judge Walker's ruling, not only in the legal discussion, but I think you will hear it in the political fight that is sure to come as well, because I think many conservatives will see some of this language as explosive. Quote, that the majority of California voters supported Proposition 8 is irrelevant as fundamental rights may not be submitted to a vote. They depend on the outcome of no elections. Also, there's this. The evidence shows that the movement of marriage away from a gendered institution and toward an institution free from state-mandated gender roles reflects an evolution in the understanding of gender rather than a change in marriage. The evidence did not show any historical purpose for excluding same-sex couples from marriage as states have never required spouses to have an ability or willingness to procreate in order to marry. Rather, the exclusion exists as an artifact of a time when the genders were seen as having distinct roles in society and in marriage. That time has passed. The right to marry has been historically and remains the right to choose a spouse and with mutual consent join together and form a household. Race and gender restrictions shaped marriage during eras of race and gender inequality, but such restrictions were never part of the historical core of the institution of marriage. Today, gender is not relevant to the state in determining spouses' obligations to each other and to their dependents. Stick that on a bumper sticker. Actually. I will bet you that somewhere in right-wing America, someone already is. You know, the night that the gay marriage ban passed in California back in November 2008, gay people and gay rights supporters took to the streets in anger during what was an otherwise joyous election night for liberals and progressives. Barack Obama had just been elected president, but then in California, there was Prop 8. Today, some of those same protesters were back in the streets, this time celebrating, celebrating a dramatic and provocative reversal. There is one thing certainly worse than repeating yourself. It's shuffling the words you've already chosen to speak and to speak for you gratuitously. Thus tonight I will stand by what I said here on the night of November 10, 2008 after California voters passed Prop 8. This may seem like a question of law. This may seem like a question of same-sex relationships. It is, in truth, neither. It is solely a question of love. Finally, tonight, as promised, a special comment on the passage last week of Proposition 8 in California, which rescinded the right of same-sex couples to marry and tilted the balance on this issue from coast to coast. Some parameters as preface. This isn't about yelling, and this isn't about politics, and this isn't really just about Prop 8. And I don't have a personal investment in this. I'm not gay. I had to strain to think of one member of even my very extended family who is. I have no personal stories of close friends or colleagues fighting prejudice that still pervades their lives. And yet to me, this vote is horrible, horrible, because this isn't about yelling and this isn't about politics. This is about the human heart. And if that sounds corny, so be it. 
if you voted for this proposition or you support those who did or the sentiment they expressed, I have some questions because truly I do not understand. Why does this matter to you? What is it to you? In a time of impermanence and fly-by-night relationships, these people over here want the same chance at permanence and happiness that is your option. They don't want to deny you yours. They don't want to take anything away from you. They want what you want, a chance to be a little less alone in the world. Only now you are saying to them, no, you can't have it on these terms. Maybe something similar if they behave, if they don't cause too much trouble. You'll even give them all the same legal rights, even as you are taking away the legal right which they already had. A world around them still anchored in love and marriage, and you're saying, no, you can't marry. What if somebody passed a law that said you couldn't marry? I keep hearing this term, redefining marriage. If this country hadn't redefined marriage, black people still couldn't marry white people. Sixteen states had laws on the books which made that illegal in 1967. 1967, the parents of the president-elect of the United States could not have married in nearly one-third of the states of the country their son grew up to lead. But it's worse than that. If this country had not redefined marriage, some black people still couldn't marry other black people. It is one of the most overlooked and cruelest parts of our sad history of slavery. Marriages were not legally recognized if the people were slaves. Since slaves were property, they could not be legally husband and wife, nor mother and child. Their marriage vows were different, not until death do you part, but until death or distance do you part. Marriages among slaves were not legally recognized. You know, just like marriages today in California are not legally recognized if the people are gay. And uncountable in our history are the number of men and women forced by society into marrying the opposite sex in sham marriages or marriages of convenience or just marriages of not knowing. Centuries of men and women who have lived their lives in shame and unhappiness and who have through a lie to themselves or others broken countless other lives of spouses and children all because we said a man could not marry another man or a woman could not marry another woman. The sanctity of marriage. How many marriages like that have there been? And how on earth do they increase the sanctity of marriage rather than render that term meaningless? What is this to you? Nobody is asking you to embrace their expression of love. But don't you as human beings have to embrace that love? The world is barren enough. It is stacked against love and against hope and against those very few and precious emotions that enable us, all of us, to go forward. Your marriage only stands a 50-50 chance of lasting, no matter how much you feel and how hard you work. And here are people overjoyed at the prospect of just that chance and that work just for the hope of having that feeling. With so much hate in the world, with so much meaningless division and people pitted against each other for no good reason, this is what your religion tells you to do? With your experience of life and this world and all its sadnesses, this is what your conscience tells you to do? With your knowledge that life with endless vigor seems to tilt the playing field in which we all live in favor of unhappiness and hate, this is what your heart tells you to do? You want to sanctify marriage? You want to honor your God and the universal love you believe he represents? Then spread happiness this tiny, symbolic, semantical grain of happiness. Share it with all those who seek it. Quote me anything from your religious leader or book of choice telling you to stand against this. And then tell me how you can believe both that statement and another statement, and another one which reads only, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You are asked now by your country, perhaps by your creator, to stand on one side or another. You're asked now to stand not on a question of politics, not a question of religion, not on a question of gay or straight. You're asked now to stand on a question of love. All you need to do is stand and let the tiny ember of love meet its own fate. You don't have to help it. You don't have to applaud it. You don't have to fight for it. Just don't put it out. Just don't extinguish it. Because while it may at first look like that love is between two people you don't know and you don't understand and maybe you don't even want to know, that love is in fact the ember of your love for your fellow person. Just because this is the only world we have and the other guy counts too. 
This is the second time I have found myself in 10 days concluding by turning to, of all things, the closing plea for mercy by Clarence Darrow in a murder trial. But what he said fits what is really at the heart of all of this. He said, I was reading last night of the aspiration of the old Persian poet Omar Khayyam. This is what he told the judge. It appealed to me as the highest that I can vision. I wish it was in my heart. I wish it was in the hearts of all. So I be written in the book of love. I do not care about that book above. Erase my name or write it as you will. So I be written in the book of love. Did the judge think in those terms? Will the judges who will still rule think in those terms? Doubtful. Will the defense witnesses who saw their arguments dissolve when presented with the reality of their own baseless fears and superstitious beliefs, will they think in those terms? I think they already did over these last few months in the courtroom of a judge named Vaughn Walker. Before the gavel even hit the desk, the right wing began to portray U.S. District Court Judge Vaughn Walker, who presided over the Prop 8 trial in California, as an extremist and, quote, out of the mainstream. It should be noted that Walker was nominated by Presidents Reagan and George H.W. Bush and has been praised by Republican lawmakers. Here's what Rush Limbaugh had to say. They are cheering to this judge for weakening the U.S. Constitution, for ripping it to shreds, because that is the objective of the American left. Have a listen to this exchange in which Pat Robertson tries to convince Democratic strategist Karen Finney and MSNBC's Thomas Roberts that just because Judge Walker is gay, he could never have handed down a fair decision. The Declaration of the Independence says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's about equality, so, though. Who <laughs> says that homosexual marriage is equal to normal marriage? Oh, on the, the left. white guy handled down, handed down the decision, and he happened to be gay. Actually, well, that might have had something to do with it. Judicial news tonight on two fronts. A, Elena Kagan confirmed today to the Supreme Court, changing not the balance of power in the court, but the balance of power of the court's softball team. Yes, she, <laughs> she clutch, yo. And B, a federal judge in San Francisco overturned California's ban on same-sex marriage, ruling that it is unconstitutional. An emotional victory. It's an emotional victory for proponents of same-sex marriage who have been fighting for equality. Obviously, this program does not have the gravitas to do this story justice. This time, I happily defer to CNN's best political team on television. Guys. We're at the Abbey, which is an institution, a gay bar that's been around for about 20 years, and people here are just starting uh, to get the word. Really? A gay bar? That's where you went? <laughs> storage about marriage equality hey let's go to a gay bar at three in the afternoon if this was a story about i don't know virgins would you go to comic-con what what <laughs> luckily that reporter soon found a gay american to comment on the decision are you someone who would like to get married someday absolutely Sooner than later, do you have some? Uh, you're at a position where you want to get married now, or just a right that you want? Um, I think it's when the time is right. If that's the decision that I want to make for me and whoever I'm with, I should be able to do that. All right, don't rush into anything, Jeff. Was that? Was was that an interview, or or was that a gay speed date gone horribly wrong? Oh, you're not in any hurry to get married? Okay, then, nice meeting you. Sorry, gotta go. I don't have much time before this thing goes. Can't waste my remaining good years on someone who's not ready for the long haul. Where are the 52% who yeah. voted against uh, the, what this judge has ruled today? Uh, I imagine they're just, you know, you know the state. You, you cover it every day. Uh, are they just in different parts? Seriously, Sanchez, you're wondering why nobody at the gay bar is against gay marriage? Is that what you're wondering? Because, I mean, it sounds to me like it's possible that the 52% of voters who are against gay marriage aren't hanging out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in a West Hollywood gay bar. In fact, maybe they're just out wandering the streets. 
Like this Prop 8 supporter, interviewed on the courthouse steps, who seemed to be going out of his way to demonstrate his heterosexuality. I'm disappointed at today's decision uh, because I do feel like I live in a dictatorship now, that my vote doesn't count. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to cut you off there, sir. I'm, I'm sure you're a good person, and I'm fine with whatever heterosexuals do <laughs> in the privacy of their own homes. But, sir, do you really have to, in public, shoulder bang your wife in front of me? I have children, and... Anyway, as the judge ruled yesterday, Moral disapproval is an improper basis for denying rights to gay men and lesbians, and that the evidence shows conclusively Prop 8 enacts without reason a private moral view that same-sex couples are inferior. Strong, unequivocal ruling. As they say in Branson, RELEASE THE PALIN! I haven't read the ruling yet, so tough to comment on, on the merits of this. Ooh. It's a measured response from the Mama Grizzly. <laughs> I have not read it, I, I hesitate to comment. The wise bear choosing not to attack, or is she? California, along with so many other states, defining traditionally what, a, what marriage is, and um, to see that uh, third branch of government undoing the will of the people gets, it, it's frustrating. Wow, I just, you know, it's nice. I, I just love the way she makes the co-equal judicial branch of our government, set up by her beloved founding fathers, sound like a communist plot. <laughs> well, we would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling judges fulfilling their constitutionally mandated role as safeguards of the people's liberty. But of course, judicial tyranny wasn't the only argument against. Fox's money man, Neil Cavuto, pointed out the disastrous practical implications in terms of same-sex unions right now. There, many of them are going to interpret this as a sign that they've got the green light for full benefit coverage. You're a boss, you're looking to hire, would you go slow in this environment? Because whatever the merits of this, you're thinking, hey, I've got to examine my costs. They're going well, to be significantly higher than I thought. Oh, oh I, I get it. The constitutional argument isn't going to work. Gay marriage isn't an equality issue. Let's make the financial issue. A gay person with a spouse just costs more. That's why we can't do gay marriage. Wouldn't anyone with a spouse cost more? Oh my God, Neil Cavuto of Fox News is suggesting that we should only hire single people. Well, your resume is weak, you're clearly unqualified, but you're a loner with terrible hygiene, so... Welcome aboard. <laughs> All right, so the legal argument has now been made. The financial argument has now been made. Will no one attack the judge? This biased judge made that conclusion, but I will tell you, you the, major the majority of courts and the majority biased? of Americans have rejected the idea that same-sex union, same-sex marriage is a civil right, and I think in the end we will win this, both why, in why the court of law biased? and the court. Why do I think? I don't know why he's biased. I'm just saying it. Do I have to know about what I'm saying? No, I'm just saying it. Actually, uh, Ms. Gallagher, if, if you want to find uh, out why you think the judge is biased, may I suggest you go to your own uh, website, National Organization for Marriage website, where you wrote, here we have an openly gay federal judge substituting his views for those of the American people. See, gay judges are biased. It's a marriage issue and has to be judged by a normal, right? <laughs> the only thing gay people are fit to judge are, you know, the model competitions, right? <laughs> judge Walker's openly gay? How did an openly gay judge get on a court? Oh, don't tell me, Commissar Obama is slipping in the gay activist judges all over the place. Judge Walker was attempted to be appointed by Ronald Reagan and initially couldn't get confirmed because he was too conservative. <gasps> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And those drapes aren't helping either. I turned down my lights and my curtains weren't closed. I turned down my lights and my curtains weren't closed. Oh, when I turned down my lights, my curtains weren't closed last night. Oh, baby, I must have been.
curtains weren't closed. I want to turn down my lights and my curtains weren't closed. Oh yeah, I want to turn down my lights, my curtains weren't closed last night. Oh baby, I must be mad. Judge Vaughn Walker, chief judge of the Federal District Court in San Francisco, issued a landmark ruling on Wednesday when he affirmed the right of same-sex marriage. The U.S. Constitution trumps California's Prop 8, he said. As he put it, Proposition 8 cannot withstand any level of scrutiny under the Equal Protection Clause. He added, excluding same-sex couples from marriage is simply not rationally related to a legitimate state interest. Rationally related is the point here, because the opposition to same-sex marriage has its roots in the irrational and in the occult, and by that I mean religion. The main reason same-sex marriage seems wrong or immoral or appalling is because the Bible or some other religious doctrine tells people so. But here in the U.S., we're not supposed to have state-supported establishment of religion. Our laws are supposed to have a rational, secular basis. And as Judge Walker pointed out, there's no rational, secular basis for this one. And he underscored that marriage is a civil matter in America, not a religious one. Opponents of same-sex marriage tried to make an argument about what's best for the kids, but a recent study came out that showed that the children of lesbian parents do even better than the children of heterosexual couples. So much for that argument. Here's a telling end point. One of the lawyers for same-sex couples in the California courtroom was none other than Ted Olson, George W. Bush's Solicitor General. That, more than anything, shows how the ground has shifted. It's about time. sun beats down tent vivid green I hear it wild and loud hear it wide and proud the way it's always been my fathers they have looked this way and now I know yes didn't they know on election night 2008 in November of 2008 this was probably the single strangest on-air moment for me this happened after midnight East Coast time, uh, Barack Obama had already won the presidency, and we were here in this studio covering the reaction to the election results around the country. And in the midst of that, with everybody else I work with here at MSNBC, uh, this happened. I believe we've got some pictures out of San Francisco as well. Uh, some of the celebration pouring out in the Castro district of the city, as it's known. A place near and dear to uh, right. your heart, To Chris me, Matthews. and certainly me, having written for the papers out there yeah. all these yeah. years. Um, that may not all be celebration oh. if it's in the Castro and we haven't got well, the results got Prop of Prop 8, 8 yet. We should be saying, that may not all be celebrating, you guys. <laughs> Have you heard anything about Prop 8? Uh, what was happening in the Castro in San Francisco on election night was a little more complicated than just people cheering for Obama. It was people realizing that on the same night that America voted for a first, its first African-American president, uh, same-sex couples in California had lost their existing civil right to get married. Joining us now from a rally in Los Angeles are the two unlikely allies who brought this case in federal court, attorneys David Boyes and Ted Olson. They faced off against each other, of course, in Bush v. Gore in 2000, but they stood on the same side in this case. Uh, gentlemen, congratulations, and thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, Mr. Olson, let me, let me start with you. Do you feel like you got um, everything you were hoping for from Judge Walker's ruling today? We feel very, very gratified by Judge Walker's ruling. It was a 138-page analysis of all of the evidence in the case on both sides. It thoroughly dismantled the evidence presented by the other side. It analyzed all of the legal issues, the pros and cons from every conceivable standpoint, and came out on the side of the gay and lesbian couples that we represented in every respect. We're very, very grateful. Mr. Boyce, looking ahead to next steps here, obviously the opposition in this case already filed paperwork indicating that they would like to appeal. Do, candidly, do, do you think that there are any elements of this ruling that may be difficult to defend on appeal? Judge Walker obviously wrote a very forceful statement um, of his view of the evidence. It was a very, very careful and well-written opinion, and it was very well grounded in the facts of the case. We said at the beginning that we would establish three things that marriage was a fundamental right, and that depriving gay and lesbian citizens of the right to marry 
harm them and harm their children and that depriving gays and lesbians of the right to marry could not help heterosexual marriage at all. The judge pointed out that we were right on all three of those grounds and that not only were we right, but the defendant's own witnesses had admitted those three pro propositions during the trial. So I think that one of the things that the judge has done is has made a very, very strong opinion that's very, very difficult to overturn on appeal. Mr. Olson, um, there, there's another gay marriage case that is making its way to the Supreme Court uh, from Massachusetts, where gay marriage is legal, of course. Uh, last month, the U.S. District Court judge ruled that the Defense of Marriage Act, the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, is unconstitutional. W what effect do those cases um, have on one another? What effect do those cases, how do they interact with this case that, that you've just won today in terms of what happens ultimately at the federal or Supreme Court level? Well, there are different cases involving different issues, but the common thread in these cases is treating gay and lesbian individuals equally and not discriminating against them, not applying the laws of the United States or the laws of California or any other state in a discriminatory fashion for no purpose against individuals who happen to be gay and lesbian. The judges in the Massachusetts case and the judge today in the California Proposition 8 case went through all of the evidence and could find no justification, no rational basis for the disparate treatment of gays and individuals with respect to marriage, and the Massachusetts judge did pretty much the same thing with the federal defense of marriage statute. So the cases resonate with one another, they make a strong collective case for ending discrimination on this basis. One of the things that is remarkable about this case is the fact that the two of you are arguing it together, obviously coming from very different places uh, in terms of your, your own affiliations with uh, Democratic and Republican parties, your own political views, but you come together on this issue. I wonder, looking ahead to the U.S. Supreme Court, what is considered to be a very conservative John Roberts-led Supreme Court right now, is this the right court to bring up a gay marriage case before? Uh, is the court just too conservative to ever rule in favor of equality uh, in this current incarnation? I, I think that one of the messages that Ted and I working together on this case sends is that this is not a Republican or Democratic issue, not a conservative, it's not a liberal issue. It's a human rights, it's a civil rights issue. This was a great victory for gays and lesbians and the children that they raised. But it was also a great victory for all Americans, for anybody who's ever been discriminated against because they are of a different color, or of a different sex, different creed, or indeed all Americans who have an interest in equality. And I think that is a common value of all of us, not just conservatives, not just liberals. And I would hope that the Supreme Court, like everybody, would rejoice in this kind of advancement of constitutional and civil rights. I agree with David. This is, we've got to stop thinking about equality in terms of conservative or liberal. We need to start thinking about the fact that gays and lesbian citizens are our brothers and our sisters. They're entitled to equal places in our society. That should be a conservative value. It is also a liberal value. It is not something that should split us. I love hearing from listeners who write in to tell me about how this show positively impacts their lives. It reinforces the idea that what I'm doing really may be making a little bit of a difference. What I love even more is that it's the support of the listeners themselves which makes this show possible. If you appreciate the service this show provides, you can make individual donations or become a member and donate $5 a month, or even save a couple of bucks by paying for a year in advance. Member support gives me the time it takes to produce 10 shows per month, and in return, members receive access to bonus audio and video content through members-only raw feeds. For details or to sign up, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support.
Well, let's start with Prop 8 in California. That was tossed out by a federal judge this week. Only affects California, but it does change the political landscape in California, perhaps 2010 and maybe even 2012. Oh, it has an enormous national impact because Proposition 8 had been seen as overturning the effects of earlier judicial rulings in California and uh, wiping out what had been one of the most liberal attitudes in the country towards gay marriage, at least in the law. And when the voters came back and passed Proposition 8 and just essentially threw all of that out, that was then challenged in the courts. And now we have a federal judge who will soon have his ruling tested by a larger appeals court in San Francisco than the Ninth Circuit. That will almost certainly, whatever their decision, go up to the Supreme Court. Over the next couple of years, the United States Supreme Court is going to be asked to rule on whether or not, in essence, gay marriage is a constitutional right. Yes, but whenever it gets down to the level of the voters, the voters always, uh, I think every time, vote a certain way. There are many states where, where gay marriages have been tossed out by the voters, and uh, federal courts have not ruled on that yet, but ultimately the Supreme Court will rule on it. But if this becomes one of the side issues of the fall campaign, very possible that uh, the Republicans come out ahead, even though this uh, eight was thrown out. That is certainly the view of people like Karl Rove, who was careful to make sure that there would be as many anti-gay rights initiatives on the ballot in certain states, in swing states in 2004, to guarantee a big turnout uh, among social conservatives, you'd, such you'd as have, in You'd have a big turnout whether it was a pro-gay initiative or an anti-gay initiative. Yeah, it brings people way. out. Right. But, but I think oh, that it's... Oh, good one. But it is particularly effective if it can come from the anti-gay rights side, because there you can word it in such ways that it particularly appeals to people, such as the Ohio proposition in 2004. And, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why George W. Bush was elected in 2004. Well, I think John there are Kerry. a lot of people would tell you that's how Bush carried Ohio, that that was very much the reason for putting that on the ballot that year. And there have been other states as well. But Ohio is critical because that was a swing state and decided by about 100,000 votes. And that decided the election in 2004. And it could well, very well decide again 2012. But even before we get that far, now we have something that's been decided in August There'll be no language, no wording on the ballot in November. It's probably going to be an issue that candidates bring up, even if it isn't on the ballot and even if it isn't a magnet the way it has been in some states like Ohio and 04. It will still be in the political discussion. And you'll, I think, see a lot of uh, anti-gay rights people saying, we challenge you, nominee for this office, that office, tell us your position on Proposition 8. And they're going to have to at least take the sort of defensive posture of saying, well, it's in the courts, we'll have to see how that particular case works its way up. Like a king without a castle, like a queen without a throne, I'm a dirty morning lover, and I must be moving on. What you say is the undisputed truth, but I have to have things my own way to keep me in my youth. Like a ship without an anchor, like a slave without a chain, just a thought of those sweet ladies as I shiver through my veins. And I'm going shining, shining like brand new. I never look behind. We begin with that long-awaited ruling on California's Proposition 8, a voter initiative passed in 2008 that bans same-sex marriage. Now look, let's go to my take. W will there be gay marriage all across the country one day? Of course there will. Hear me now, quote me later. It is inevitable. Because as a very smart man once said in the middle of another civil rights battle, the arc of history bends towards justice. This country is fundamentally progressive. When our founding fathers started a revolution for the idea of self-rule and democracy, it was arguably the single most progressive act in history. Conservatives fought against women's rights and they lost. They fought against civil rights for blacks and they lost. They're fighting against gay rights and they will lose because this country believes in progress and human rights. That is what's, what it's absolutely based on. So we will go through this drama for some time more, but the final act is clear. And then looking back many years from now, Americans will shake their heads and say, how could people have possibly thought that? As they say now about people who fought against integration and a woman's right to vote. How could they have possibly thought that? 
And at some point, some conservatives will pretend they were never against it, and that they've always been for equality for all. And some of them might even pretend to be fans of famous gay rights crusaders like Harvey Milk, as some now pretend to be big fans of Martin Luther King. We know better, but all of that will be irrelevant. Because in the end, there's only one thing that this country does with conservative ideas when they fight against progress. They throw them in the trash bin of history. Gay America? Did you know that you were gay? Because you are. You're certainly a whole lot gayer than we were yesterday. And I think we all know who to blame. Jim? A federal judge has overturned the ban on same-sex marriage in California. This judge has proved the case for gay marriage is ultimately rooted in a rejection of, of common sense. The judge has dealt a terrible blow to natural marriage, the voters' rights, the Constitution, and this republic we call the United States of America. Folks, it's Armageddon. <laughs> and who knows what tastefully arranged destruction awaits us. And surprise, surprise, everybody, guess what we've just learned about Judge Walker. The latest salvo in the war over gay marriage was fired by federal judge Vaughn R. Walker, a Republican appointee who is also openly gay. He's gay. <laughs> a case that affects gay people being decided by a gay guy. Why don't we just let cases about endangered species be decided by a manatee? <laughs> judge Walker's big gay bias is all over this decision. He even signed it gay. It is so ordered. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. Now don't get me wrong, folks. Gay people are perfectly capable of serving as judges. They do a wonderful job on Project Runway. <laughs> but Judge Walker isn't merely gay. As Notre Dame law professor and Fox News contributor Gerald Bradley points out, he's in a stable same-sex relationship and might wish or expect to wed if same-sex marriage became legal. A stable relationship? What happened to traditional gay values? You know, hot, sweaty, rock-hard men slapping against each other in a dark room to a pulsing beat. No names. You know, like the illustration in Webster's. <laughs> folks, folks, and on top of everything else, it is so clear this decision is bad for our children. The Family Research Council's Tony Perkins knows just what I'm talking about. Social science shows that children do best with a mother and a father. Not two adults, not three adults, not four adults. That's right. You can't raise kids with four adults. So thanks for the help, Grandma and Grandpa, but you're totally gay. <laughs> Worst of all, Judge Walker claims, quote, the evidence shows that by every available metric, opposite-sex couples are not better than their same-sex counterparts. How typical of him to use the metric system. <laughs> the gayest way to measure things. Notwithstanding the fine work they do over at Inches Magazine. It's, it's as if, it's as if, it's as if with that last statement that the judge is saying that there's no such thing as gay marriage. There's only marriage. And gay people have the same right to it as anyone else. Which frankly, makes the whole idea of getting married seem kind of gay. 
The point is, gay people are ruining our marriages, so we've got to ruin their marriages right back. But before I reveal how we do it, hey, gay viewers. You might want to change the channel to TLC. I hear the cake boss is attempting a mermaid. See you later. Okay, they're gone. Here's how. Here's how we'll stop the gays from marrying, okay? Step one, I want all of my straight male viewers to start hanging around in gay bars. Make friends with a gay man. Now you're gonna be spending a lot of time together. So you're gonna wanna find one that you really click with, okay? It might seem like all the best ones are taken, but don't get depressed. He's out there, you'll know him when you meet him. Step two, make him fall in love with you. Step three, move to California. Get a cozy little cottage in Venice Beach. Maybe open an upscale dog grooming boutique. You're good with business and Jonathan is amazing with animals. You meet his parents, he introduces you as his roommate. Tension. Really, Jonathan, it's been two years. You have a fight. He apologizes, tells his parents, and they're not surprised and they just want what's best for the both of you. Step four, you're wine tasting in Sonoma. You stop at this great little antique place, hide a ring inside the roll top credenza he's been eyeing for weeks. He opens it, bam, you drop to a knee and ask him to make you the luckiest man on earth. He says, of course, cause you're a catch. Step five, stall. Do not, not set a date. Say you just want to wait till you're financially stable. Say you can't honeymoon in Bali in the summer because it's monsoon season. Say anything, just drag it out. Before you know it, six years have passed. You're not getting any younger. He's threatening to leave. You say, fine, fine, Jonathan. November 2nd in Big Sur. The day is perfect. It's on the beach. White linen casual, no shoes. Cupcakes instead of a cake, that's fun. You let his cousin play the oboe. He's not that good, but it means the world to him. And as the sun is setting over the Pacific and you've recited your handwritten vows, the rabbi asks if you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband. And you look into his eyes and say, no way, I am not gay. Yeah. So all that sex we had was straight sex. It will destroy him. He will forever be embittered against the idea of marriage. Then your trap sprung, you turn on your heel, march right back up that aisle, past your loved ones, secure in the knowledge that he will never that he will never be married to anyone. <laughs> Certainly not you. <laughs> and you can't forget the look on his beautiful face when you told him. <laughs> his eyes were like two dead birds. <laughs> oh God. There's only one person right now who could comfort him, and that's you. But he will never talk to you again. And neither will his amazing mother, Janet. What a pill. On Valentine's Day, she sent him a bouquet of acorns. She loves him so much. What have I done? Save marriage, that's what. That's what I've done. And we've got to because those people don't love each other like we do. Okay, once your job is well done, you go find yourself a nice girl. Maybe one of those Russian mail-order brides. That's still legal, right? Okay.
Thanks for listening, everyone. So, you know, as so often happens, uh, we just listen to like 10 different sources and 12 clips or so talk all about the same issue. So it doesn't leave me with a whole lot to say that hasn't already been said. But I just want to leave you with uh, with one comment that I got from a friend recently, and it's just for fun. And they were saying that, you know, what these guys, what, what the guys don't understand, who are really opposed to, you know, gay marriage or gay rights or the gay in general, is... You know, all these gay guys running around that you're opposed to so much, they're not competition. Isn't that great? They've taken themselves right out of the running to try to date any woman you might be interested in. And so I say you take that and run with it. Just thank them and never pay them another bit of uh, notice. And just think what kind of competition they could be if they wanted. I mean, my understanding, I don't know, but uh, I hear they all uh, have great taste and uh, are great cooks and are really neat and clean and just unbelievably charming. Just think if they wanted to turn those powers against you. But no, they have no interest. So I say just chalk that up as a win and move along. Now, the other thing I want to say about this is this is fast becoming my my favorite issue. Um, and, and it's, you know, depending on your perspective, it's not necessarily the most important issue. It's not necessarily the most pressing. I mean, you could talk about, you know, climate change and say, uh, you know, we're all going to die. What does it matter? Who can get married? You know, like there are all sorts of arguments that can be made for all sorts of different issues. But but the gay rights issue is is becoming my favorite in that. It's the easiest. It's it's such an incredible no-brainer. And of course, for those people who it affects, it's you know it's a giant issue. It has it has really important consequences for individual people's lives, and and so that's really important. And uh, and so I, I don't think I ever mentioned this, but uh, the the biggest response I think I got from any individual episode was the the most recent episode I did on gay rights. And, and I got all kinds of great emails from people saying how much they appreciated it and how, you know, made them feel better about themselves and so on and so on. And so, you know, it's on one hand, an incredibly easy issue to deal with. Like I've said it before and I will say it again and again, I'm sure I, I am of the position and, uh, and I, I am stealing this from a sign I saw in a rally. Uh, this guy was marching in a rally uh, for gay marriage rights in Washington, D.C., and he was holding a sign that said, I shouldn't have to be doing this. And that is exactly my position on this issue. It's, you know, it is a big issue. It's something that needs to be dealt with, but it's something we shouldn't have to be doing. That's how obvious it is. So like, as, as Jank said, kind of towards the, the end of the show, Jank uh, from the Young Turks, and, you know, he said it many times, and I wholeheartedly agree, this is the sort of issue, like, we're going to win. It's just a matter of when, uh, the other kind of win. <laughs> uh, it's just a matter of when we're going to win not if it, it, you know, time is on our side. Demographics are on our side. This is a foregone conclusion. And so we just kind of have to go through the motions and fight the battle and then we'll win in the end. It's, it's really that simple in my mind. So in that sense, when we live in a political climate where even when the Democrats rule the entire country, it seems like, and we still seem to be disappointed, uh, you know, one turn in uh, in the discussion after another, and, you know, we're making a little bit of progress, but not nearly what was promised, not nearly what we want, not nearly what's needed, uh, you know, an issue like this comes along, and I, I feel like it's easy for it to, to be my favorite issue because it's so easy. Um, it's the, the argument on the other side is absurd. So it's not like an argument about economics because economics is like, it's so incredibly theoretical. It's like the entire economy exists almost entirely in people's minds, you know, and, and we debate about what to do and what not to do. And, uh, and there's no way to prove a negative of what would have happened if we hadn't, you know, it's incredibly complicated and arguments on all sides. Uh, and and ups upsides and downsides. You know, if you, we spend a whole lot of money to boost the economy, but then you know our deficit's going to kill us in the end, and then that relates to us having to fund an empire overseas, and we're wasting all this money. You know, it, it gets incredibly complicated. This issue is so simple; it's kind of refreshing. 
so those are my thoughts on that. I certainly encourage you to submit your thoughts uh, if you want to send me an email, post on Facebook, uh, comment on the blog, whatever you want to do. I, I would love to hear from you on this. But that'll do it for me. And of course, just before I go, I want to thank a couple of members because the members absolutely make this show possible. So Anne M signed up for a membership uh, back on March 4th and signed up just paying five bucks a month and has stuck with the show since then. It's been a huge help. And Alexander W signed up uh, on May 4th and went ahead and signed up for a, a full year in advance just to help the show a little bit more and even got a little discount uh, for doing so. So uh, so huge thanks to both of those members and all the members and donors who make the show possible. Um, you know, this is my full-time job. I simply couldn't do it without uh, without the donations that you guys send in. So it's uh, hugely, hugely appreciated. And um, as you hear me say all the time, I just can't thank you guys enough. So please keep the votes coming in at Podcast Alley. Of course, uh, the Best of the Left, Blast the Right, and The Young Turks are all uh, progressive shows in the top 10 list over at Podcast Alley. Uh, keep the votes coming in. Boost our rating. We want to take over those top three slots and have uh, progressive talk shows dominate that list uh, every single month. That would be great. Keep telling your friends and family about the show, of course. Uh, word of mouth is by far the number one way that this show gets spread to more people, and uh, and it's absolutely necessary to keep growing the audience, besides the fact that they'll just thank you for it, because they'll love it as much as you do. So, of course, to stay connected to the show between episodes online, we're at Facebook and Twitter. You can find us in both of those places, and even use both those services to help spread the word of the show to uh, anyone you may be connected with there. For details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music for the show, this episode and every episode, all of that is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month, thanks entirely to the support of members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like Hi there, it's Mike. Here's another unsolicited moment for the podcast listeners. Some things have changed since I sent my first message to Jay. The main change? More podcasts. Ten a month. And there's the iPod apps, the bonus clips divided into different categories for the subscribers. And now Jay has made this podcast his full-time job. Plus, Jay won the Best Produced Podcast of the Year Award. By using the Amazon link on the Best of the Left podcast site, you can contribute with every purchase you make at reduced prices on just about every Thing. At Amazon, you can buy music, downloads, furnish your apartments, fill up your cupboards with linens, food, computer supplies, appliances, and on and on and on. Not just the Amazon DVDs and books. In fact, it's hard to name anything that you can't buy at Amazon. And you're contributing at the same time without paying a penny more. Now, my Social Security retirement check doesn't allow for much shopping, but I still manage to make sure Jay has my $5 subscription month after month. It's great to know that even on a meager income, I'm making a big difference in our world, keeping the Best of the Left podcast going and growing and ensuring progressive concepts are introduced, heard, and passed on. I'm proud to be a part of that, and you will be too. Do your part. Do what you can. Thanks.